coming up on Man Enough. So we start to see why communication is so vital to sex. Where if we could just look at one another and say, you know what? You're really quiet. Why are you, why are you so quiet? Mm-hmm. And if, you know, and I'm not blaming men for this, right? This is very much conditioning. And instead of going nothing, if they would just look and say, you know what? I just had a really bad day. I'm sorry. Nothing to do with you. Maybe that right there mm-hmm. would sure. stop the And we don't know how. We have been conditioned to not let anything out oftentimes. Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil. So maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better. Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This is Man Enough. Hello and welcome to Man Enough. And guess who forgot how to wear her headphones? Liz Plank. Have you ever done a podcast before? I'm so tired. <laughs> it's it's 7 p.m. in New York, um, which is you know, no they, excuse. Welcome no. back. I'm just I'm in a silly, goofy mood. Um, I'm you guys just go ahead. Okay. Really? You know, I'm distracted by the what, big what bottle. Is, what is Jamie doing? Um, well, you have this big water bottle here, and clearly we need big things on the table, so I'm just trying to keep up with you. Where's my big thing? Okay. Wow. I have reached the, the part of the water bottle. That says 6 p.m. And guess what? Oh, there's it, times it's on it. It's not 6 p.m. It's only 3.50, so I'm ahead of schedule. Wow. Uh, cool. And I'm really proud of myself. I'll just keep this here and I'll just... What does your bottle say? For our audio listeners, Jamie's just putting, <laughs> That's how he's Jamie's just putting random things on the table. Uh, it's okay. I'm just, you know what? Your water I'm, bottle feels about as heavy as this. I'm just compensating. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> if, that, right. if you're compensating with a big bottle, I feel like that's the best compensation wow. in history. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. it's like you didn't get like a $40 okay. million dollar Ferrari. You could no. just get a big bottle. <laughs> big bottle. Um, um, wow. What do what, what, what oh, are we wait, talking the way, about? What are we, what are we I doing? I the name of the show? Welcome <laughs> no, to Man Enough. What are we, what are we talking <laughs> what about? Are we what do we even about? do? Talk about bottles? Man Enough is a conversation show where we talk about... <laughs> where, where we talk about all things masculinity and undefining masculinity. And more importantly, not just how to be better men, but how to be better humans. Mm. And, and what are we doing but, here today? And on the show, we have guests that come on the show because that's what happens sometimes on podcasts. <laughs> and sometimes and you have people that are viral that come on the show. Yeah. People that like have- Not viral m- like with a disease or COVID no, no, or no. something. But like, <laughs> but like we Instagram, test. TikTok, Got millions it. of viewers type yes. of stuff. Sometimes we have those kind of people. And on. Uh, and that's who that's who we have on the show today. Hey, hey, Liz, can you introduce us? to our wonderful guest. I would love to. Kaylee Cresta is a content creator and TikTok star known for her comeback series on TikTok in which she empowers women by responding to often toxic videos created by men, imposing their unprovoked opinions of women onto them. Mm. Kaylee's video aimed to provide uh, men with perspective, tough love, and a step towards accountability. I'm a big fan of her videos and oh, millions yeah. of other people are too. Welcome Kaylee. Welcome, it's the man welcome. Of- Welcome. Hi. 
I am so happy to be here with you guys. And I'm just so excited that there is a place somewhere on the internet where we are talking about positive masculinity mm. because we need a lot of that in this world. So thank you. Oh, and a little disclaimer. Uh, Kaylee and I are actually friends. We know each other. Mm -hmm. uh, I reached out to her because I liked her videos. Mm -hmm. I did the TikTok. I'd like, I... Uh, what's it called? I slid into your DMs. Slid into the DMs. I slid into yeah. the DMs. Uh, and I was like, hey, you're doing some really brave, intense stuff. And I just wanted to acknowledge you. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that um, she lives in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I was doing launching my book tour for Boys Will Be Human in Boston. And I was like, well, let's have coffee. So she came and we had lunch with my publicist and another friend and got to know her. And I was like, all right, you got to come on the podcast. And uh, we got to talk about this. So I have a question for you really quickly. I just want to know. No, she just, dude, she's not tech support for TikTok. Well, don't ask her. <laughs> I wish I was. Don't ask her to like. No, no, I it's, could it's, answer it's some It's not so much. I just myself. want to know if she feels, I want to show you, it is, do you see my followers? Yes. How TikTok. many? Can you, can you read One, it? 1,313. Wait, you have <laughs> 1,000 followers on I TikTok? See that. I, I do. How did that is happen? That, is that, Are you going viral? You haven't even is posted it. Wait, you haven't even posted a video No, no, yet. I, I just want to say, and then like, you know, like how many, you have like millions um, so am I at all rivaling your... Um... <laughs> I think you could be. I mean, I'm glad you're not posting because if you were, I'd, yeah, you, know, you probably have to be worried. I'm just having fun. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Oftentimes we see on TikTok and social media people following people for all kinds of reasons, right? Because they mm. do crazy things on skateboards and this or because they don't have their clothes on or because they're dancers or because of whatever. Mm. And then there's people that have followers because of the content they do that actually is moving a needle of making us think mm -hmm. about how we can be better. Mm -hmm. And this is why you have your followers because you speak your heart and your mind of how to make us better. Thank you. Um, why do you do this? I, I spent a long time working in construction. And I used to hear the same things from men all the time, all the time. Um, and it always used to surprise me because they all wanted to be left alone, right? My wife's always nagging me. My wife, she keeps talking about the same stuff. I don't care about it. You know, I don't even know what she's talking about half the time. And then it would turn into, you know, we're not having sex. There's no intimacy between us. She doesn't even say anything when I walk like through the door. They started to confide in you with these really mm, exactly. pretty vulnerable things. Exactly. And what I always find found ironic was they didn't want to be left alone at all. Yeah. Right. So once their wives kind of caught on to what they wanted and started, okay, he wants to be left alone. I'm going to leave him alone. And then they wonder, you know, why is their marriage suffering? Why is their relationship starting to fall apart? And something that's really important to me is can we kind of find a way to translate between men and women, between husbands and wives, right? Because sometimes it's different when it's coming from you, when you're looking your partner in the eyes, and it feels like nagging. It feels like arguing. People are defensive. People want to defend themselves. And if there's a way that somebody else can say that, right, one of, one of the things that means more to me than anything in the world is when I see a woman leave a comment that says, I sent this to my husband and it really made a difference. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's really anything more beautiful than that, trying to translate between couples. Well, congratulations on the work you're doing. Thank well, you we're going to go much. deep into it. And as we, before we go deep into it, I know that Justin always likes to ask a question to get us kicked off. 
You know this question. You've, okay. you've listened to the podcast. When was the last time that you didn't feel enough? I don't know. This hour? <laughs> this minute? Today? Being, were you nervous before you came on? To a point. Um, but I'm somebody that I've, I've struggled with insecurities my whole life, mm. right? And I think this is something, you know, I won't get off the question, but I think this is something all women struggle with, all humans struggle with, right? Everybody does not feel enough at some point, no matter how confident they may seem, mm. no matter, you know, we're all struggling with that. And it's something that I've struggled with for as long as I can remember. And as much as I try to do the work within myself, I don't, I don't know that there will ever be a day that I can say, oh, you know what? I felt like I was enough 24 hours today. Mm. And coming to terms with that, I think is, you know, part of what I would consider my own personal self-growth. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this is then a question for both of you building off of that. Why? Why? Because you led with women. I have an inclination of what the answer is, but I'd like to hear it from both of you, is why do so many women live in a perpetual state of not feeling like they're enough? And I'm not yes. saying that men don't, but this is specifically about women. So I would say that I think as, as women, we are very much raised that our value is defined by the value that we provide to other people. Mm -hmm. And so that means 24 hours a day, we're often trying to provide that value to everyone that matters to us, to everyone that's important to us. Mm. And at the end of the day, when we're done doing everything for everyone around us, we kind of have to sit with ourselves. And, you know, what did I accomplish for me today? What mm. did I accomplish that I can really be proud of for myself? You know, okay, I, I made other people's lives easier today. And I did it wanting to make other people's lives easier, right? Because I love those people. And that's how we've been conditioned to show love. Um, we're also facing things like, you know, although women may get wiser as we age, we're told that our value is declining as we age, right? Mm -hmm. So as we start to become more confident in ourselves and we feel wiser and we feel like we understand the world a little bit better, Maybe we feel more valuable to ourselves, but the world is saying that we're losing value, right? Mm. Every day, every year, right? Our youth and our beauty and our, these are the things that we've been defined by. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of emphasis on who we are, what we provide to ourselves, and really what that means. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, echoing everything that you said, uh, times a million there's an entire industry that is based off of women's insecurities, and it's called the diet industry. There's not just one, right? It's the diet industry, um, the beauty industry. We grew up with those messages, like women's magazines and teenage magazines. Like, I remember reading, doing this test. I think it was like, how annoying are you or something? Or like, how to get boys to like you? Or I don't even know what it was. And I remember it specifically said, like, don't be too loud. Don't talk too much. And I remember I, I was a loud kid. Like, I'm still a loud no. I, mean, I know. It's shocking. <laughs> so I remember, again, just trying to consciously make myself smaller in order to uh, fit. But then you realize 
that no matter what you do, you lose, right? Mm. Like like being being a slut is the best thing you can be and the worst thing you can be, right? You, uh, through your sexuality and your appearance, if you fit into a very narrow definition, that's how you'll get validation, but then that's also what they'll use against you. And I even see it now, how I've internalized it against other women. Um, and even against the woman that I love the most in the world, which is my own mother, and just how high my expectations are of her and how, I'll start crying, but like how little society has has given her mm. and, and, and actually how much society has taken from her and takes from women and takes mm. from mothers and then also turns around and says, hey, you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. And so a lot of the healing work that I know Justin's doing, I know a lot of people are doing here at this table and a lot of people who are listening to us, I've, I've also realized how much of it is, um, it, it's internalized misogyny, right? Mm. To to expect so much from the women in, in your life um, when, when, yeah, they're just given so, like, so little. Mm. And I just, I, I want to... Because everything that you just said, I mean, I could I could cry because it's so yeah. powerful, right? And when you hear, um, I think it's also something that's very powerful about social media, right? Mm-hmm. We hear people say things that all of a sudden, you know, really make us feel heard and make us feel seen and realize that we're not alone in this world in certain mm-hmm. things. But, you know, just in terms of dating, right? We hear this a lot. Men and women go on a date. The, the man is saying, do I like her? The woman is saying, I, I hope he likes me. Right? Yeah, Liz, you've said that yeah. on this show. Yeah. 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 We're and, like so sympathetic. And yeah. so, yeah, because it's it's just yeah. so we're constantly are, are we mm-hmm. liked? Are we liked at the, the table that we're, mm-hmm. we're sitting at? I mean, think about how many women spend so much time when they walk out of a room mm-hmm. wondering what people are saying about them. Yeah. You know. And where do we like take responsibility for that? You know, because 100%. that's where I'm at now where. You know, and in your TikToks, you you say insecure men seek insecure women. Mm. And actually, I was laughing because I was like, I feel indicted by that. Like, like I actually feel like I've dated uh, a certain amount of, of insecure men. And I've started to be to, again, instead of just turn it against them, I'm like, wait, what am I attracting? Right. Mm. And and so I, I yeah, I'm kind of curious. Uh, and maybe this is also, you know, just a question for all of us. Sort of where do we also take responsibility for for stopping these gender stereotypes and being like, okay, I'm not I'm gonna, you know, not care what people think. It's hard when it's ingrained, but like right. you know, it's also on women to to unlearn those things. Oh, I totally I totally agree. And, you know, I think <laughs> to a certain extent, there are so many women, and we hear this, right? We hear women say, I don't know why, I why do I keep attracting these men? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and when we look back, at our dating history, a lot of times we find that we dated the same man with a different head. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they were all almost identical. Mm-hmm. Just because something feels familiar doesn't mean that it's right. Right? We we think of, okay, this feels familiar. It feels safe. But sometimes familiar isn't safe. Yeah. Right? Especially when we come from toxic upbringings or environments for whatever reason, um, sometimes we really need to avoid familiar. But it's not until we've kind of taken a step back and Mm -hmm. said, you know, let me heal from this. Mm -hmm. And and what was I drawn to? You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Do you mind sharing? And and, um, I mean, I've read a bit about you and who you are. And um, I think some of it is public, like just your upbringing. 
Mm, yes. Um, I don't know. Are you public about some of this just in terms of what you may have been exposed to? Some of that toxic behavior that maybe that well, you've had you. you've actually Absolutely. been in danger before like so, so you haven't divulged a lot of information about your personal life right 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 so in some sense can you share whatever is appropriate to give us some context and i and specifically i'm asking just as a man so i can hear from a woman and what your experience is that i can glean from absolutely so um so it's funny because one of the things that always frustrates me is people think that i hate men Right. And I get this a lot. I've never said I hate men. I would never say I hate men. I love men. Actually, most of the people I love most in this world are men. Right. And the biggest monster in my world was a woman. And so when so I am my mother struggled horribly with alcoholism. And so her best friend that she worked with at the time, she honestly made my father hire as his secretary. Um, and so they ended up being together long before my mom walked out the door. Um, and unfortunately, because they were best friends, my stepmother was kind of getting the blueprint of what my father was missing from my mother, right? What were the biggest issues in their marriage? Oh, yikes. What was... <laughs> she not fulfilling, and I'm using that that very lightly, right, because that's a whole other conversation. And I'm not going to say that I, I necessarily believe she wasn't fulfilling that, but what did he feel he was lacking in his relationship? And so my mother left the day after Christmas morning at 10 a.m., and my stepmother and her two sons moved in at 1. Oh, God. So in three hours. At that point, she wasn't your stepmother, obviously. She was not my stepmother she yet, moved correct. In with her children. She was like a mistress at that point. Exactly. Mm. And, you know, I can remember, because um, actually I always slept with my mother because she struggled so bad with alcoholism. How old were you? I was 10. And you're I had Cinderella. Actually, Cinderella, yes. You're, was, you're the real life Cinderella. There was definitely a, a Cinderella element to this for sure. And um, But I had never slept alone at 10 years old because oh. I would, you know, was my mom okay? Was she going to, you know, That's whole so range of things. That's so hard. And um, so I remember asking my dad to sit with me and my stepmother right away saying, oh, no, no, that's that's inappropriate. That's not, not right. You can't sit with her. And so right away, this jealousy began. Mm -hmm. And I feel very passionate about this that for obvious reasons that we have different love for our children than we do for our partners, than we do for friends, than we do for other family members. Mm -hmm. um, and right away, there became a very strong divide between me and my father. Mm. So I started looking for that male validation in places that I probably should have, right? Men that were much older than me. Um, we're looking back at it today. I can definitely identify some problems here, but looking for safety. And I do believe that children get in some of the most trouble they get in when they're chasing love, mm -hmm. right? right? When they don't want to be home and they're chasing love. And so I very much came to understand love as something that it should never be, right? Um, things like possessiveness and intensity and toxicity, right? That 
arguments, because here's something that, you know, is, is kind of crucial to this story. As soon as my, my father adopted her children within one year, and as soon as that happened, the mask came off, right? And, and they had a miserable, miserable marriage, constantly arguing. And my father, I always say his sense of obligation was stronger than his sense of self-preservation, right? Mm. Um, part of why I, I have such a problem with toxic masculinity is because it absolutely does hurt men, right? They believe they have to be the provider. They, you know, he, as many times as, as people would look and say, Mike, what are you doing? Why are you staying with her? He couldn't give up on his obligations. Mm. It was easier for him to be miserable and pretend like everything was perfect. Um, and so I really came to understand love as, you know, oh, yeah, if you're arguing all the time, if you're fighting all the time, um, I guess that's normal, right? Mm. If people aren't talking to one another. So, um, you know, that was a very long no, it wasn't your question. Oh my thank goodness! You. Um, thank you so much such, for saying. Thank you. Thanks. Did do you feel that because you witnessed? I mean, the relationship with your mother's or stepmother and your mother. Obviously, that's very loaded. I imagine. Mm -hmm. And then also, you had a father who you loved, mm -hmm. who was also um, demonstrating to you at a young age what a man might be, right. or right, which now you're forming your opinion of men based right. on your father's behavior, which mm -hmm. obviously was he was having an affair with close friendships and then choosing her maybe over you at that time. And then you now trying to get his attention and looking elsewhere for it mm -hmm. in places, as you had said, you shouldn't have been. So this must have been huge and how you see men and how then you went through your teenage years and your young adult life. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, you, are you in a relationship now? Do you have a partner? Yeah. So the internet doesn't know this, but um, yes, for the past 11 years. So I always laugh. One of the most common comments I get is that I'm going to die alone with my cats. And I usually lay on his chest while I read the hate comments. But uh -huh. anyways, back to not to interrupt. But, um, but yeah, uh -huh. so that's a story for another day. So yes, you have a partner. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. And so how did that when in choosing him? How did you get to that point? choosing a man that was different than the men that you sought before or that was modeled to you before? So it's funny because um, as much as, as today, you know, my father is one of the, the best men I know. Um, and I see him really struggle with this, right? I struggle with, with what he's done in the past and he's going through a brutal divorce right now. And I think he very much feels as though it's karma. And I really watch him struggle with that, you know, behind the eyes sometimes. Um, I always kind of joke because my partner, Ryan, is the complete opposite of any man I had ever been with in the past, right down to physically, right? I had never dated a, a blonde man. He's blonde hair, blue eyed. Um, but, and, and we have a reverse gender role relationship, right? I work. He's a stay-at-home parent. Um, mm. And he's a combat veteran. He's a, you know, if you looked at him, you would think he's this big masculine man. And he can be, but he's he's my marshmallow, right, at the end of the day. Um, but when I had to look inward and really back to the same man with different heads phenomenon, um, 
what was I attracting? What was I going after? And one thing that I know I've really struggled with in my life, and I know a lot of women can relate to, is trying to fix people, mm-hmm. right? I think so many women get into relationships and we want to save somebody. And we, we look and, and we fall in love with a man's potential, right? We don't necessarily look at, at who he is in that moment. And Ryan was the, <laughs> the first man that I, I... I didn't mean to just look right at you, Liz, <laughs> but I kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> Never done that. <laughs> Never. Sorry. And, it's, and that's the thing. We yeah, can yeah. all relate to this, yeah. right? Um, Thousands of women right now, wherever they are in their nodding. cars, they're yeah. just like, yep. Yeah. That's right. yep. yeah. How and, did you stop doing that? How did you do the shift for women and, and just people who are listening right now who are stuck in that cycle? Asking for a friend. I really had to. <laughs> <laughs> just really taking a step back and saying, what, what do all of these men have in common? You know what I mean? As, as you said before, taking responsibility mm-hmm. for what was I what was I seeking? Yeah. Right. And why was I I looking at somebody and saying, you know, I really have a problem with this, but hopefully it gets better as he ages. You know what? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. why was I doing that? And taking some time to just be alone. And then when I met Ryan saying, you know, this is the first person that I just love you know i don't there's and it's funny i always say once you really fall in love with somebody every time you said love before it doesn't quite feel as mm-hmm. powerful and dynamic as it once mm-hmm. did um and it's all the little things like uh, you know i'm always cold he's always hot so every night three hours before we get into bed he turns my heated blanket on you know it's those are the silly you know people think that women want these grand gestures no we want the small gestures that exactly just I don't want to ask you to think about me. Oh I just gosh. want a reminder sometimes. <laughs> my, that I, do. My, my, I gave my wife a cup of coffee the other day. Just nowhere. I just was like by the machine. Turned it on. Put her half and half calf, half not calf. Started to mix it. And she, I could see her over there behind me just standing there. But I wasn't really looking. I could just see her. And then I finished making it. And by the time I looked over her, she was in tears. This is just like three or four days ago. I was like, well, what's happening? She was like, you made me coffee no. <laughs> for no reason. Um, just a small thing. No, it wasn't like true. some big thing. I just, for no reason, mm-hmm. made her coffee and that meant something to her. You yeah. know, what's interesting is once I learned that early on with my wife, it became this thing where I, and I'm sure you feel this way, but there's so much joy for the partner in the heated blanket. There's so much joy mm-hmm. for me when I know intuitively after being with my wife for almost 11 years now that I know she needs something. And even if I'm crazy busy, I stop what I'm doing and I'll make her the cup of tea or I'll make her the food that she wants because let's be honest, if I didn't cook, she'd eat like a, a 12 year old boy. Um, I love you, baby. Uh, but, but there's joy. And what I found is in those moments where she's cried because I've done a little thing for her, I cry. And then when I give it to her and she just, she'll just look at me and she'll connect with me and it just means so much to her, I just start crying and then we start crying together and these are the most important moments in our entire marriage. Mm-hmm. These little seemingly insignificant things mm-hmm. that you don't think about, right? but they add up. They, they add, add up. up and they add up and like you can always go back to that. Yeah. Which leads me to want to ask you a question. Um, so there's a video that you did that... Um, talks about 
men doing dishes mm-hmm. with expecting a reward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like sex or something. Right. So I want to ask you about that. Um, because this is an interesting thing. I should not do dishes to get sex. Right. 100% agree. Right. And yet, the fact is, when I do dishes, the sex is better. Mm. When, th- I'm just talking about gravity, right? When I made my <laughs> wife a cup of coffee, I did not do it for sex or for any reason, for no, any accolades. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, when I do that, she can't, she, she can't keep her hands off me. And do you know why? Because you, you brought the intimacy to the sex, right? Mm. Exactly. So I think there's a point in, in the reason why I mention it is, is it not okay for us to understand that we should have pure intentions when we do things, but to also know when you do things, the reward is all the stuff that you want, mm-hmm. they come. Mm-hmm. So if it is in fact better sex you want with your wife, mm-hmm. you shouldn't do the dishes for that reason, but know when you do the dishes, the sex will be better. So you just, you just. Well, I learned this from Liz, perfect, by the way, I'm talking later. A perfect, well, if you didn't believe that doing the dishes was women's work, then why would you expect to be rewarded for it, right? If you're doing dishes just as a partner, take the gender off the table. Just there's dirty dishes. And so I'm going to do the dishes as a partner. Mm. Absolutely. Your wife can't keep her hands off of you because you acted like a partner. And for women, intimacy starts, doesn't start when you get on the bed, doesn't start when you're taking your pants off. It started that morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It started the night before when men want to talk about body count and they say, well, Jamie doesn't know what that means. Oh, okay. So body count. How many sexual partners you've had? I'm sorry. You you got to remind me not to do that. So body count is how many sexual partners you've had. Only one. Right. Well, thank you for (laughs) it. She wasn't asking you, Jamie. (laughs) Oh, she wasn't asking. I've been married three times. So it's clearly not only one. (laughs) So, um. You know, the argument is always, well, when, when we say, okay, so why do you judge a woman for multiple sexual partners, right. but you don't judge men? Correct. And usually the answer that we'll hear is, well, because women can't detach emotion from sex, right? They can't just have casual sex. So you can recognize that women tend to tie emotion into sex, but yet you don't understand why your wife doesn't want to have sex with you when you're not providing her with any emotional support. Mm, Mic drop. You know, we... Oh, say that again. Can you just say that one more time? time. Because that was great. So you know that women attach an emotional connection to sex, right? That's, That's why we say, oh, it's different when they have multiple sexual partners. And yet you don't understand why your wife doesn't want to have sex with you when you're not providing her with any emotional support. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And so we can understand these things when we want to understand them, when they benefit us. Yes. When when we're using them as a a talking point in a Mm -hmm. conversation, but we can't when we're looking at our partner and saying, you know what? Mm -hmm. I want to feel closer to you. I hear men say all all the time, well, listen, sex is how I feel emotionally connected to my wife. Yeah. Right. I I would sit here That's and truth. I would. There's truth in that. Mm-hmm. There absolutely is. And I would dissect it a little bit to the conditioning that men have had. But if we're just having a you know quick conversation, by all means, men do. Right. There is yeah. a physical element to intimacy and to love. And I think a lot of men do feel more appreciated and they do feel love mm-hmm. through sex. This there's is nothing where it gets wrong so, with that. So right? tricky because, as you just said, women want to feel emotionally connected first. Mm-hmm. and then have sex. So many boys and young men have not 
learned how to be emotionally open. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you will find them be emotionally open after they've had sex or in the intimacy. So you have sex. And I learned in my first marriage, by the way, and I'm not saying this is right, but there was a minute where we were in this dynamic. She didn't feel connected. She didn't want to be intimate. Mm -hmm. I needed intimacy mm -hmm. to feel connected. Mm -hmm. So there we were at a standstill. And, and the therapist told us, okay, how are we going to work through this? Because you're both uh, programmed to, to function as you are now. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to get through this? And that was, we never quite figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm married for you the were first also, time. You were also 21. I, I was 18 when I got married, divorced at 22. How then do we bridge that by honoring women and also honoring men where they are at the moment? Mm -hmm. So, and, and here's what's really sad for me, right? Because what, what are we hearing as we're talking about this? Everybody wants the same thing, yep. right? Everybody wants to feel emotionally connected. We have men that want to feel emotionally connected. We have women that want to feel emotionally connected. And that, to me, is the saddest part about it all, right? We all want the same thing. Toxic masculinity hurts us all. Misogyny hurts us all, right? But we, we're constantly against each other. And I think what's hard is that as resentment, I always say resentment is the only thing that never dies. You don't have to work at it, mm -hmm. and it never dies. Mm -hmm. uh, love, got to work at it, and it can die, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think as resentment starts to grow in a relationship and people feel as though their needs are not being met, intimacy dies, right? And how do you get back to it? Knowing yeah, because men, men oftentimes will feel like they are being punished. Absolutely. Right? So it's like the, the act of withholding sex for them, for many men, is a punishment. And then you, the farther away you get the bridge just kind of gets shattered and there's, you can't walk across it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and, know, and, and then the focus is she doesn't want to have sex with me instead of why doesn't she want to have sex with me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because That's true. I, I think it's a little bit the reverse where, well, I agree with you, but I also think that we over index how much women need emotion and over index how much men need sex. And I actually think men are emotionally deprived and women are sexually deprived. Like women's sexual needs aren't being met in a lot of straight relationships. We know that just on the data about orgasms. And so we know that there's that there's something that's not being met. And and I think a lot of men want to emotionally connect. Like to me, the example uh, of the guy that expects a, a sexual reward for doing the dishes is actually so derogatory to men because it implies that she doesn't want to have sex with you and you have to do something so that she will. Right. Whereas it's like, no, like she's your wife or she's your yeah, partner. That's almost, like, that's almost emasculation. Well, it's, if you think about it, but it's like self, it's like, it's self, it's self emasculation. Well, yeah. Even though I don't believe it exists, it's but it's like, oh, wow, I'm not worthy enough, so yeah. I have to do this act. Yeah, why don't you? And, and it starts like, what, wait, why don't, forget about her, like, why don't you think that you're worthy enough? Like, why doesn't she want to sexually connect with you? Or why isn't she sexually connecting with you? And and what's going mm. on there, right? And and there could be a million things there. There could be that you're not satisfying her, right? And, and that can be something that men feel very embarrassed about or shamed, uh, you know, by other men and, and our society about, but they're there is a conversation that needs to be had. And again, that intimacy will be so much more uh, possible if you're able to talk to each other about these things. Mm, so um, nuanced and layered too. Yeah. Especially mm. because where do most men learn about sex? Porn. 
porn. Or some version of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or some version of it at very early ages, mm -hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. I have watched a lot of porn in my life. Um, maybe there are scenes that start with like intimacy and doing the dishes and things, but I'm sure <laughs> I fast forwarded through them if they happen. But there is, <laughs> there, that's not real. If we're learning about sex from porn, uh, we're definitely not learning how to please women. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And which means we're already insecure because we are comparing ourselves to whatever we're seeing. So I'm imagining there is no space for the fragile mm -hmm. male ego to hear that mm -hmm. they're not being pleased. Yeah. So, and women are very intuitive. You can't you pick up on that. Mm -hmm. oh, well, how do I how do I tell him he's going to? Yeah. You know? So it's so ironic that the bigger, stronger, more alpha the guy is tends to be the more fragile the ego is. Also, as you said this really well earlier how women are conditioned to take care of everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And that couldn't be more true than when a, a woman becomes a wife and a mother. Mm -hmm. And so then on top of that, you have men not being able to have intimate friendships or relationships, right? We've talked on this podcast about face-to-face -face and side-to-side -side friendships, right? Men have side-to-side, yeah. -side, women have face-to-face. Uh, -face. Men don't have anybody to share their things with. So then the woman becomes the therapist. There's nothing that's less sexy than when you are the therapist mm -hmm. to your man. And in addition, having to take care of him, having to take care of your like children, your and then <laughs> expected at the end of the day to just have some kind of sex drive. So I think that's another important thing to layer onto this conversation is just this expectation of like, for those women who do stay at home, or even women who do go to work and who work nine to five jobs, then generally are expected to go and do the dishes. And then do the laundry, in addition to oftentimes then, preparing yeah. the food. Mm -hmm. So, and then they're have, supposed to yeah. have sex with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's just a, a reframing of the entire conversation so that men can have some empathy and sensitivity and understand that it's not just this one thing, it's a lot of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think there's also kind of a nuance on what you said about, um, you know, being your wife's therapist, because I will say, I think... Wife being the husband's therapist. Wife being the husband. Yeah. I said that wrong. I just, I just wife want to make sure. The, yes, thank you. Um, in that case, right, because a lot of men do not know how to express their emotions, I think sometimes if they would just open up a little bit more, there would be more intimacy, because sometimes what I, I find, and, you know, I would be interested in hearing your perspective on this, is because men aren't comfortable expressing themselves emotionally, if they had a really bad day, they just shut down, they get quiet, yeah. they get angry, yeah. and the wife doesn't understand why, mm -hmm. right? She's sitting there, she's going, wait, what happened, mm -hmm. right? And because mm -hmm. women are very much, you know, the value we can provide to other people, it's what did I do, yeah. right? Why did he just shut down? Why won't he open up to Why me? Why won't he open so, up to so me? So it's, in right? some ways, it's the inverse sexually where men are thinking, what's wrong with me? Yeah. She won't have sex with me. Right. And women, when men are not opening up, are thinking, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. He won't open up to me. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. Wow. Right. And so we start to see why communication is so vital to sex. Right. right? Where if we could just look at one another and say, you know what? You're really quiet. Why are, you, why are you so quiet? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, and I'm not blaming men for this, right? This is very much conditioning. And instead of going nothing, right? If they would just look and say, you know what? I just had a really bad day. I'm sorry. Nothing to do with you. Mm. Maybe that right there mm -hmm. would sure. stop the Then we don't know how. Exactly. And also, but in, and in the defense of men here, we have been conditioned to not let anything out oftentimes. So, okay, so let's just people. say, let's bifurcate this for a second and say that, okay, there's a whole group of men who don't make their wives their therapists, right? Let's just like take a, have a T in the road. And these men don't 
uh, they keep everything in. They withhold all information. They do what you just said. We don't know, number one, how we're even feeling. And we are taught to shut ourselves off immediately for self-preservation. And, and the reason I believe that we say, oh, I'm fine, is because underneath that I'm fine, as you know, because you've had these conversations with lots of men, is an ocean of frustration and disappointment and anger and sadness shame. and shame and you name it. It's all, if there's an ocean under there and if the dam breaks just a little bit, we don't believe that we are worthy enough of love that you will be able to handle it and you will be able to take it. And we are told conditionally um, through socialization that the last thing you're gonna want in a man is for me to be weak. And there's nothing more weak that a man is told than opening up and whining or complaining and sharing his feelings. So you won't have sex with me if I share all of this with you, if I share all of the things that I'm feeling. So I have to shut down. So it's almost like on, for, on both sides, which is why I care so much about this and why we're doing this, men are damned if we do, damned if we don't. Because we don't, we don't have the tools. Nobody's taught us these things at a young age. Mm -hmm. And then we're just supposed to figure out like how to be in relationship and and how to open up when we're told that if we do open up, we're punished for it. And then of course, the only thing, our love language then just becomes sex. Right. And the Absolutely. ones that are fortunate enough to have conversations with their father or people, uncles and friends that actually did learn how to communicate, I think oftentimes have healthier relationships. Mm -hmm. Well, I think not oftentimes, I think always. they just do, always. Absolutely, yeah. um, and you see it so that we, we know that they, it's happening. It's just not happening on a wide scale. Um, tell us something else that in the work that you're doing, that's maybe been controversial or that you've gotten hate for. Everything. Mm. Everything. Well, what, like, no, because Justin alluded it. He said it's, dang it's dangerous for you. Can you describe? Yeah. Because you would watch your videos. You're like, okay, cool. She's like this cool feminist. But you experience a lot of threats. and. Oh, yeah. So I get multiple messages per day saying that, you know, I need to be sexually assaulted. Um, that, you know really some disturbing stuff that mm -hmm. I, you know, I won't, but I've had people spit on me in, in real life. It's yeah. taken into the, into the street, which Absolutely. has been pretty wild. And become so angry wow. by, by what I've by said. Men. By, by men. men. Always by men. And what do they say? Um, what are the, what's their reason? Honestly, in the, in the times that this has happened, it's just been calling me names, mm -hmm. right? That I'm, I'm ugly, that I'm going to die alone, that I'm very similar to, to what they say online. I really don't want to mention that without mentioning the opposite that can happen. You know, I had a, a man come up to me at Starbucks, say, hey, is your name Kaylee? And I said, yeah. He looks at me and says, I used to hate your face. I used to hate your face. And every time I would open up a video, he goes, and then one day, I don't know why I decided to listen. Wow. He goes, and I'm pretty sure you're my marriage therapist now, so would you mind if I hugged you? Mm. You know, and he told me that he had you know, that their relationship had been so much better. And he felt like he understood what was behind some of the things wow. that his wife was saying. Sometimes I get really, really beautiful emails from men who, by the way, always love to tell me that they're now having more sex. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And, uh, how amazing uh, that it started like, in, that in, in, the <laughs> in the construction office. All right. the men were complaining they weren't having sex. Right. And now you've created something where you're helping men have more sex. Wow. So, so give us some of like, if you were to give me bite-sized pieces, like mm. four or five quick examples. Like one is sex and dishes. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, what are a few other ones that would have elicited elicited a man to want to spit on you? 
I think that I mean, there's no excuse for that. Oh, of course. The accountability aspect, right, that that you need to be holding your partner accountable, I think, is is one that really. So you speak a lot about that accountability. I, I speak a lot about holding your partner accountable. Um, you know, this idea of men not understanding the exhaustion in their wife, right? I, I That tends to really elicit a lot of anger because right away, um, man will write to me or comment and say, well, you have no idea how exhausted I am. Right. And I just wish they understood this isn't a competition. I just want you to recognize that you're not the only one that's tired. Right. So there's this competition where sometimes I feel as though. That's real. That's also real. I mean, I, Emily and I have had that. Absolutely. And, and we've I had think to work all, through that in our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think all healthy relationships really struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's how in healthy relationships, it's how we get to a place where we say, well, what can I take off your plate right. or what can mm-hmm. what can I be more conscious of? What am I doing that's kind of adding to that exhaustion? Um, it's when we're in unhealthy relationships or with somebody that doesn't know how to communicate properly. Right. Um, or moments. And I would just, I I just want to say this because I don't want anybody who's in that position to think they're in an unhealthy relationship. You can have moments of unhealthiness and moments where maybe you're Mm -hmm. off. I just want to be mindful to say like, you know, you could be in absolutely the right relationship or a marriage and maybe you are in that position and you're just you just need the the tools yeah. to be able to communicate effectively but nobody <laughs> does it right all the time and yet sometimes it's absolutely unhealthy no but to your both of your points i think but it's worth talking about because if you recognize that this stuff can be toxic right then it's like putting poison on a plant eventually you can be in a healthy marriage or relationship that's good that can bear wonderful fruit but if this keeps happening eventually it starts to die Mm -hmm. um, because you're poisoning it with this stuff right right absolutely this idea of being more conscious about how your wife feels and right away the the comment i get is well she's not conscious of how i feel right right? and i always this is something that, that i really had to come to terms with as i started to get into content creation is there are certain people that it doesn't matter what i say Right. I, I've never said the word all men. And yet people will argue with me as if I have. Right. I don't say I didn't say some men. I didn't say all men. And yet somehow you chose to argue the one that would make you angriest. Right. <laughs> so that that always kind of amazes me. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. to a certain point, I have to I have to choose my words carefully and I have to be conscious of them. But I will never be able to control the way that other people perceive them. Right. right. I will never. I just have to be conscious and choose my words carefully. And that's that's my responsibility. Another thing that tends to really make people angry is when I say that being a stay at home mother is a job because right away. And this this really frustrates me. In I the can't sense think of a more important me, job. Exactly. And it it. This is something that I get really upset about because men bring everything to money sometimes, not all men. And again, it's not necessarily their fault, right? We have told men that they are providers first and foremost, and that is what they are most importantly above a human being. And so right away it comes to money. Oh, okay. Well, that's a job. Then she doesn't need to spend my paycheck. Mm. You know, and that's so Mm. I try and uh, sit here sometimes and and I resist the urge. But sometimes I want to say back, you know, give my sympathies to your wife, Mm -hmm. because if that's what you're saying to me, what do you say to your wife? And those are the same men that are not having sex. (laughs) I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have sex with her. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Or they are. And it's not healthy. Yeah. Mm. You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. 
what her videos also do is because TikTok has this ability to stitch or to duet, to do these various things, mm -hmm. she'll get her followers will tag her in these videos where these men, oftentimes with mics just like this, <laughs> um, will be saying something that probably would be best just left in the back somewhere of your psyche mm -hmm. and not out loud. You'll have people saying sensational things just to get followers and to attract men and uh, that are in this very strange minority of beliefs. And she will then take that video and say, eh, this is why this is wrong. What ends up happening, I imagine, though, is that that man feels called out. Uh, I, I assume your followers will probably go and comment or say things. And that is angry because you're at that point publicly... Um, you're not meaning to, but you are humiliating that man um, for saying this thing or for having this opinion. And I, I would imagine he feels, quote unquote, emasculated. And it's it's funny that you bring this up. I won't get I'll, I'll keep this very short, but I, I made a video the other day. So it was a woman who said we are done being men's mothers mm -hmm. and a man who was, you know, I would say middle aged. Right. So he wasn't this young boy like typically. So this guy makes this video and says, you know, good men, good, strong men are not going to accept that kind of attitude. And so I stitched this video and I make a response. That man proceeded to make two dozen videos about me in the next 24 hours. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. You fired him up. Oh, yeah. I didn't. What, what made you so angry? Well, what did you, you what, now... what'd you say? Well, so first of all, what I found pretty ironic—I found it pretty ironic that he was sitting there saying, "Good, strong, masculine men will not accept that kind of attitude," and so he was shaming this woman for saying what she wouldn't accept. Well, he was saying what he wouldn't accept, mm -hmm. right? Right. So he was he was making such a big deal about this awful thing that this woman had said. All she said was she didn't want to be somebody's mother. Mm -hmm. Right. And to me, I sit there and say, you wouldn't be so bothered by a woman saying she doesn't want to be your mother unless you wanted to be treated like her child. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> why, why would that bother you? I felt that. <laughs> Damn. And so, you know, it did. It made him really angry. That wasn't necessarily the goal. Mm. But my biggest concern, and I'll tell you why I started stitching those videos, because one, I worry that the, the men saying that will get into the mind of either an impressionable young woman or a woman that is struggling horrible, horribly with insecurity, right? Mm. And that that will be the straw that really makes her hate herself. Yeah. Oh. And I also worry that the young boys that see this, and these men don't care about young boys. They don't care about men. They give them this place to put their anger right? And they just allow it to fester and grow. Mm -hmm. And they make them, you know, here, you need to be angry that you're not getting laid and it's women's fault. Yeah. It's not just the woman that rejected you. It's every woman. Yeah. And Andrew Tate is a great example of that, right? Like, so, you know, interestingly, I think there's a successful story there of him being deplatformed, um, but he was really big on TikTok. And I was listening to this interview from a woman that had done a deep dive on his academy or whatever his scam school was. Mm. And she said that the future of Andrew Tate's might actually be women who are 
you know, sort of, and I've seen them. They're on my they're feed. They're popping up. They're popping right? up. Right? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Or, no, oh, they're not I on don't. your feed. Oh, my no. God. Oh, so by, the way, sorry, by the way, I'm sorry. I just want to say I finished my water. Okay. So Great. proud Everybody, of please that's give all. a round of applause okay. at home. Yes, that's right. Okay. Just, Amazing. So there's a younger generation that is quiet quitting. They don't want to, they're like, this is bullshit. My boss is making 300 times what I'm ever going to be making. And so they're, um, you know, questioning capitalism, questioning corporate America, questioning this like hustle culture that millennials, you know, we were, you know, sold as a bill of goods. And the stay at home girlfriend trend is women particularly rebelling to this girl boss culture that tells, again, I'm literally like a product of this, of like, you know, in order to be a good woman and to be a a powerful woman, it's through the workplace that you have to achieve it. But a lot of, yeah, younger women are like, I'm going to find a rich boyfriend and I'm going to be a stay-at-home girlfriend, you know, sort of like the idea of a stay-at-home wife, but without the kids. So you're just hanging out essentially. And so they'll do these stay-at-home girlfriend vlogging where they're like, here's my, here's a day in the life as a stay-at-home girlfriend. And it'll be like, I, you know, made a matcha and then I took some photos and then I hung out with some friends and then my boyfriend ordered takeout and then we ate. And, you know, it's like, isn't that just a trend? It, it's got to be just a trend. But then there's some of them are, are religious, right? Like these big Christian influencers. And a lot of them are women who are basically advertising the idea of female submission and saying that women mm. need to go back to more traditional roles. And that's what made us happy. And now all these women are unhappy because they're trying to be men. Wow. And so I'm curious what you think about that. So I... Um, I've actually stitched some of those videos. Um, I didn't know it was called the stay-at-home girlfriend. Well, though, so thank you for educating. Certain stream of it. No, yeah. but I'm glad to know. You know, I like to I like to know the trends and what's going on. Um, so here is kind of this is another one of my frustrations because I think that men and women, at the end of the day, a lot of them want the same thing, right? We have we have bad men, we have bad women. We have good men, we have good women, and so. As I said, my father's going through a a horrible divorce right now. And it's been one of the hardest things for me to watch, right? This is a a man that is in bad health, that um, has worked his whole life since he was 12, right? Who built something from nothing. My father grew up with no shoes, right? Everything he built, he built himself. And I'm watching somebody try to take everything. You know what I mean? With mm. where he has to, that, that somebody can look at him and say, you have to work harder so that she cannot work at all. Right. And so this is this is where I get frustrated because feminism is a quality. Right. Now, there's unfortunately, we're always going to see extremes. OK, we're going to see toxic masculinity. We're going to see toxic femininity. We're going to see that there's always. And unfortunately, I think those are the people that often get the platform. Right. So we have a lot of people that hate feminists, not because they hate feminism, but because they hate toxic feminism. Right. And, and that's a much more nuanced air conversation. Quotes, she right. Air she didn't say air quotes, um, just to be clear. And, you know, or what they perceive it, as toxic it, feminism. Exactly. Because right? exactly. what they think is that. My argument would be, no, feminism says that the stay at home girlfriend. Right. Is not necessarily what we fought for. Right. This isn't what we're fighting for. We're fighting for equality. Now, I believe in certain things like, you know, um, if you're a mother raising children and you have supported your husband, well, he has built his career. Well, absolutely. There is absolutely huge value to that. 
It's the hardest job in the world. But I wouldn't sit here and argue for a woman to be able to sit home with no kids every day and live off of a man if if that's not the agreement that they came with, right? I believe that every individual household is the only one that can decide what works for them, right? But I wouldn't argue for that, right? I wouldn't argue that a man should be having to work that hard to support somebody. Because if you believe that women were equals, well, then why why would that be a thing? So we see men get so angry about this stuff. And I say, well, then why aren't you a feminist? Mm-hmm. Right? Why don't you believe that we should be equals in the workplace? Why don't you believe that there should be the same opportunities? So I would like to see us get away from the stay-at-home girlfriend trend, get away from men being only providers, because I think if men didn't feel that way and if they didn't feel that constraint, I think we'd see a lot more stay-at-home successful dads, right, Mm -hmm. whose children are being brought up with these healthy concepts of masculinity and really feeling love and security. Mm, Thank you. I I have one thought about what you said um, about the stay-at-home girlfriend trend. (laughs) Emily and I have had conversations about this. And I do believe that there is something for us to look at collectively. And it's not a fully formed thought, but I have heard my wife talk about this and she talked about it a little bit on the podcast. But when she talks about it, I really find it fascinating, which is that this girl, that what you just said, this idea that you have, the only place you can have value is in the workplace is oftentimes in response to the trauma of just being a woman and oppressed and not having value outside of that, um, and being told that the only place you have value is, is at home. And sometimes the pendulum can swing too far. There, I think, can be a conversation where we can say, um, and I've heard women share this in private, that there's nothing wrong with embracing your femininity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with a woman who wants to stay at home and just be a mother because that's in her DNA. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong with a woman who doesn't want to work and who just wants to stay at home and raise children because raising children is fucking hard. And what a gift and an honor it is to put your blood, sweat, and tears into, into raising the future generation and not have to do a nine to five. And at the same time, a woman should not be demonized or looked down on for wanting to have the same ambitions as a man has always been able to have. And so I think that uh, we just have to to create room in the conversation for women to just also be allowed to be what they feel a woman is. Women should absolutely be allowed to be bosses and that can look masculine, but that can also look really feminine. Mm-hmm. Some of the best bosses I've ever seen are women who are quiet and nurturing and empathetic. Mm-hmm. And I've also met amazing bosses who like, You'd close your eyes and the way they talk, you'd think they were truck drivers. It doesn't matter. The point is, is like this kind of comes down to like this, this unboxing, this taking the box off of everything and allowing women to be women, allowing men to be men. Well, and I think at the end of the day, feminism is choice, right? Feminism choice, is, is yeah. leaving in absolutely creating space because I will argue until my last breath that the hardest job in the world is a stay-at-home mother, right? Because it does not stop. Right. Not only are you responsible for Doesn't, tiny humans, yeah. but there is no clock out. There's no vacation. There's How about no... stay at home? And, and there's also imagine there's single mothers. Absolutely. And which th- is a Then whole... they have to work and they don't have mm-hmm. anyone to help with. And oof. my problem always comes in with a choice at the expense of somebody else. Yeah. Right. 
in our homes, we have to make choices based on what what works for our home, what works for our household, right? And not worry about the conditioning. Maybe that's a stay-at-home dad. Maybe that's a stay-at-home mom. Maybe that's two working parents, right? right? As long as it's not at the expense of somebody else. And that's kind of, you know— And that contract is really important because I don't believe that that contract is often talked about. Like, I I think that there— And I only know this because there have been um, moments in our marriage where we have gone, oh, shit. We just assumed gender roles completely for the last three years, mm. and we didn't talk about it. And then we wake up one day, mm-hmm. and she's got some resentment, and I have some resentment, and we have to talk about it, and we work through it, and we're like, oh, my God, we feel so much better. And we are, I would say my wife and I are master communicators. I, there's not that many things I'm a master at, I'm not good at. We are very effective communicators, mm-hmm. and it has been a saving grace for us. But I do not believe that's normal. Um, and I think that there are many marriages and relationships where it's almost as if, okay, this is my role and this is his role. Or, oh, I had a job. I just had kids. The man just quietly goes, well, I better figure out how to take a second job or earn more money or do this. And the woman just goes, oh, I guess I have to give up my dreams. But they never talk about it. Mm-hmm. They never, they never, it's never like a, a conversation. It just is like this, oh, I guess this is how it is now. And then the resentment, as you said, builds and builds and builds and never dies. Mm -hmm. And the connection disappears. And I know that over the last seven years, one of my biggest regrets is how I wish I could have been more of a stay-at-home dad. I wish I could have been up at three in the morning, more nights and changing the diapers versus knowing I had to wake up at six. Mm -hmm. And I could have relieved some of the stress off my wife and the, the pain that she went through and how alone she felt over the course of those first few years. And at the same time, we both assumed this role because I was having success in my career. She stopped her career and we were both just operating on autopilot because it was so fucking hard to be a parent. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know we had to talk about it. And we were babies. So so the communication, the, like, the, the willingness to say, wait, this wasn't what my plan was. Do I like this? Do I not like this? Well, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm really in, I really feel like I would like to work. Would you be a stay-at-home father? How does that make you feel? We got to have those conversations. We're not even having them. You know, a lot of women that got to a certain point in their life where they said, I never even knew I had a choice to not have children, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I think we find a lot of women that come to that conclusion in, you know, middle age or, you know, whatever it may be, even maybe when their children are, are two mm. and they just never knew it was a choice. Right. And they got thrown into certain situations. And then we see other people that just they love. That's what they love to do. Right. Yeah, they've and we been need wanting to be support. a mom since they were little girls. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we need to support that. We need to support just the choice. Mm. Right. But but really appreciate what it takes to raise a family. Um you know, and I, I think, think the inverse is true. I think we can, and there, I don't believe that many men have ever had the inkling of an idea that it was an option or a choice that they could be a stay-at-home father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not in our DNA. Right. My dad was. Yeah. But your dad was also unique. You grew up with a brother who had special needs and your dad had to take sure, care of but, him. Yeah. You know, but like I was never, I, I was the opposite. So yeah. I just think in general, like these are such important conversations because all of us need choice. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it's interesting. I thought you were, gonna come in today i was prepared let me be honest Mm -hmm. i was prepared to like um get into it with you today oh were you i'm sorry did i disappoint no um 
I'm acknowledging my own, like, for some reason I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a woman that's going to challenge men in a way that I'm not going to be thrilled with. You know, mm-hmm. I've heard stuff like, you know, people are, um, I mean, if, if I saw anybody spitting on you or throwing hate at you or saying some of the stuff they did, I'm, I'm going to be, let me not say that I'm not going to beat anybody down, but I'd want to mm-hmm. beat them down. I appreciate that. Um, but what is it that you're saying that caused some feelings? And I'm thinking, okay, it's not that I'm going to disagree with the idea that you want to call men in and have conversations about it. But I was kind of prepared to go into it. And what's interesting is you are nothing of what I thought. Because also, your videos, the ones I've seen, you kind of have a little swag. Mm. You know, when you talk, there's a little bit of swag. And maybe that's what I'm imagining a man is seeing someone that's confidently expressing themselves with a little bit of swag. Mm-hmm. But here, I'm just seeing you. Mm-hmm. And how much you care about this and how you have expressed how much you care about men and growth and not excusing anybody's behavior, women or men's, acknowledging everybody in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pleasantly, um, want, not surprised, I'm just um, happy to know you and to hear you talk about it. I would love it for men to maybe just back off you <laughs> yeah. because you're doing such wonderful work. So thanks for that. For the the men that are listening, I would challenge us to to not do our first thing, which is to react, to get defensive, to feel like you're calling us out. Mm-hmm. And and just reflect and look at your life and look at your marriage, look mm-hmm. at your partnership and see what resonates. And then what doesn't, you just swipe through it. Next time you post a thing, just swipe to the next one. It doesn't apply to you. Mm-hmm. But there might be something in there that you can glean from that can help your marriage and your life and your community. And it sounds like that's what you really are doing. So um. Thank you. That means the world. And I I think, you know, that and you just you just hit it. I always say I didn't know it applied to you until you decided to leave me a hate comment. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you were there. I didn't know you existed. And I didn't know it applied to you until you (laughs) told me that I was going to die alone with my cats. And I knew that I had you pegged. You're not dying alone. You're going to die around with a lot of people loving you. Well, Well, and just know this and just know this. Whoever said that. I was one of those people that looked that you popped up in my feed. And I remember one of the first videos I watched. There was even something in there where I was like, ooh, I I feel called out a little bit because it had to do with husbands. And then I listened and I listened. And I was like, this is so good. And I sent it to my wife. I was like, you would love her. And I started watching more of your videos. And what I noticed was when I was like, ooh, I think she's talking to me a little bit here. (laughs) I was like, oh, I have room to grow. And it's made my life better. So that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I hope you know that for all the the 10 hate comments you get, um, you have men that actually listen and who appreciate what you're doing and mm-hmm. whose lives that you are uh, you are helping and making more rich. And helping the, even the ones that are saying hate. Yeah. If they're posting 17 things, Oh, you got to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they're, I, even if their mind is like, uh, F this person and this person and this person, all they're saying, they're still hearing it. It's like, you can't get away. If you walk into a room and there's an aroma, even if you say, I hate the aroma, you're still breathing it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after a little bit of time, it I, it may permeate somewhere. It may sink in so that maybe 10 years down the line, something you said that they breathed in yep. um, affected them in their marriage and their life. So let's not be discouraged by those people that seem to hate us and want to spit on us. Yes. Kaylee, what does it mean to you to be man enough? You know, it's funny, actually, because I saw a clip from you where you said, um, understanding that nobody can take your masculinity away. 
And you know what? I probably would have answered this this question very differently before I saw that clip. But you know what? I don't think there's anything more masculine than understanding that nobody can take it away from you. Mm. So I'm I'm gonna quote you there, my friend. Wow! And tell I've never you, been quoted. That's really that's I think um, I really I I and when I think of the people that I would consider the most masculine men in my world, I think that might be what makes them so masculine. Is mm. they never they know nobody can take it away, and I never see them really feel threatened, you know, mm. by it. They never consider that being emasculated is even a possibility. So mm, beautiful. I'm gonna quote you there. Wow. Thank I'm you. honored. Love it. Okay, guys, you. I, you can all, everybody in this studio can laugh now, but I have to pee. <laughs> um, and that's because I've I've drank about 100 <laughs> ounces of water today. Okay. So thank you all so much for listening. Where do they find us, Liz Plank? Manenough.com slash podcast. And where do they find you, by the way? Yes. Yeah, so everywhere, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, What's... it's at Kaylee Crusta. And we have a TikTok, don't we? Yeah, we do. What is it? We are What's man our enough? TikTok? We are man enough, right? We are man enough. That's we it. are man enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, please, um, I give, have a TikTok. Give, Jay- yeah, give, give Jamie, Jamie a follow. An extra he needs follow. It. Until next time, <laughs> I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. I'm Jamie, and this is Man Enough. And I'm really gonna go. I'm really gonna go. Okay. Pick up. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter and Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer. Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing. And Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.